You're listening to audio from Queen City Church. Thank you for joining us. We hope this message will encourage you and offer practical steps for a relationship with God that keeps getting better and better. We are in week number four of a series that we've been calling Life Together, and it's where we are talking about the importance and the necessity of community. And just so you know, the message of this series is very countercultural because we live in a world where right now, individualism, isolation, and loneliness are at an all-time high, so much so that the U.S. Surgeon General last year in 2023 declared loneliness a national epidemic in our country. And really our goal in this series is two things. One is to shine a bright spotlight onto what is really happening in our culture today, and hopefully that we would like realize that what we're doing just is not working, But then also, I want you to see that God has a better plan. Like God's ways are better than what we're experiencing right now. And our hope is that in this series, that you would see that we all need what we're calling biblical community. And really our our way of defining that is biblical community is just a group of people that I'm intentionally following Jesus with. And just let me just make this very clear. You need this in your life. No matter who you are, you need this. No matter your background, no matter your age or your stage of life, your personality, whether you're an introvert or you're an extrovert, it doesn't matter like where you are in your spiritual journey, whether you just made a decision to follow Jesus last week or you've been following Jesus for decades. Listen, we never graduate from needing this in our life. We need this just like we need the air in our lungs. And this whole idea of biblical community, this really has been, part of God's vision for your life from the very beginning. And today I'm so excited. I think I've had four cups of coffee. So I am ready to go today. I am ready to preach. And today I'm so excited to share the message that God has given me. And so if you're taking notes, which I hope you are, um, I wanna talk about the importance of both rows and circles. That's the title of today's message, rows and and circles. They're both important, rows and circles. And I've got two main points, and I bet you can figure out what they are. First, let's talk about rows. Let's talk about rows. Now, in Western culture, like America, rows are very common. In fact, learning in rows is very common in Western culture. It's where an expert, or at least someone qualified, hopefully, or at least somebody with with moral authority on a subject, stands in front of a larger group of people sitting in rows and teaches what they know. If you think about it, our school system is primarily in rows. College right now is primarily in rows. And a lot of people, I would say most people's church experience is in rows. In fact, that's what we are experiencing right now. You are in rows. And that's what we're experiencing right now. I'm speaking, you're listening. I'm sharing, you're receiving. You can holla back at me just a little bit. But for the most part, I'm just sharing what God has led me to say. I am sharing in public what God told me in private to share with you. And I've worked and I've prepared and I've read and I've studied and I've done all that. We are in rows and that there's gonna be no point in this message where I'm gonna hop down off this platform, grab a mic and start walking around and asking you to contribute to the conversation we're having. Some of you are like, thank God that you're not doing that because I have no desire to do that. 
because this is rows. And hear me loud and clear, rows are important. Like we need rows. This is not an anti-row message. We need rows. This is important. In fact, in Hebrews chapter 10, in verse 23 through 25, the Bible says, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the capital D day approaching. That same verse in the Passion Paraphrase actually says this, this is not the time to pull away and neglect meeting together as some have formed the habit of doing. In fact, we should come together even more frequently, eager to encourage and urge each other onward as we anticipate that day coming. The Bible says, man, prioritize the row. And so let me ask you just a simple question, why? Why does the Bible say this? Why would God tell us to not give up meeting together? Why would God say, don't stop doing what you're doing right now? Why would God say, this is not the time to pull away and neglect meeting together? It's very simple. All throughout the Bible, when God tells us to do something, it is always for our benefit. It's always to make our life better, not worse. And when God says this, it's because he knows that this is important, that this is good for us, that when we gather together, we experience the presence and the power of God together and we walk away changed. We walk away different. We walk away better. Like my week is better. My attitude is better. My thoughts are better. My emotions are better. My actions are better. How I process is better. My outlook on life is better. My outlook towards people is better. My relationships are better. My friendships are better. My marriage is better. And when my kids go to Queen City Kids and they learn about Jesus on their level, my kids act better in Jesus' name. Come on, parents, where you at? <laughs> we believe in faith. Shout out to Queen City Kids. Is anybody serving Queen City Kids in here or lead? Just raise your hand, wave at me. You guys are, come on, don't T-Rex. Let me see your hands. Let me see that. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. You guys are awesome. They serve last service. They're in church the second service. I love it. I love that. And so here's the deal. When we're talking about rows. Let me challenge you with something. I wanna challenge you to make the row a routine. I wanna challenge you to make the row a routine, to prioritize the row, to make the row a normal part of your life, a normal rhythm of your life. I'm asking you today to prioritize church and here's why, because whatever isn't a priority will eventually become optional. So I'm asking you to make the row a routine. Do your very best to be here every single week that you can. Now, but hear me loud and clear. I'm not trying to be legalistic here. 
I'm not, I'm not trying to, like, like to, to put any pressure or guilt on you. Like, I understand that sometimes life happens. I understand sometimes you're out of town. I understand sometimes there's a wedding on the weekend. I understand you need to go on vacation. Uh, sometimes you get sick and can't be here. And that is why we've invested into online so that that can be a resource when you can't be here to make sure that you can stay connected and what's going on. And I'm not trying to make you feel guilt or shame ever for missing church. Maybe you grew up in a church where you just felt so guilty and awful anytime you miss. That is not my style. If you are new here, you need to know that we will never guilt or shame you into anything. In fact, I don't think guilt is a good, is a very good motivator at all. I think my job is to get the guilt off of you, not to get guilt on you. And so you need to know, don't, don't feel any guilt, any shame, but I just wanna just ask you and challenge you to make the row a routine to be here more than you miss. And just so you know, just to make sure this is abundantly clear, it's not so that we can bump up attendance numbers. It's not for money. It's not for anything that is just to make us feel better about ourselves. It's not because of that. I'm asking you to do that because that's what followers of Jesus do. Like that's what we do. That's what we do. We make the row a routine, but we need more than rows. We also need, number two, we need circles. Not only do we need this, but we need circles. And this is where I wanna spend the majority of our time today because here's the truth. You can grow in, in rows and you can grow in circles. But all throughout church history, going back to the very start of the church, we see that spiritual growth and discipleship happens exponentially more when you combine both rows and circles. So I don't know if there's anything inside of you that wants to grow spiritually. I believe that there is. I, I've seen more spiritual hunger and faith in our church over the past month than ever before in the five-year history of our church. I think that some of you, yeah, like there's something inside of you that's like, I want more of God. I wanna grow. Like I know God has more for me and I want it. And some of you are leaning in right now more than you ever have before because you wanna grow. Let me tell you, like if you want to go through a growth spurt spiritually, combine rows and circles. All throughout history, we see that. Let me show you, Acts chapter two, Acts chapter two. Here's a little bit of context before we read. This is right after the death and burial and resurrection of Jesus. And Acts chapter two starts with what we know today as the day of Pentecost. And that's where the Holy Spirit comes on the earliest followers and disciples of Jesus. And then right after that moment, a large crowd gathers, get this, in rows. A very large crowd gathers and then Peter, full of the Holy Spirit, one of the 12 disciples of Jesus, one that made a lot of mistakes. He steps up in his humanity with the Holy Spirit empowering every word and he preaches the gospel. He preaches the good news of Jesus to this large crowd that is sitting in rows. And look what happens. This is Acts chapter two. We pick it up in verse 37. It says, Peter's words pierced their hearts. And they said to him and to the other apostles, brothers, what should we do? And Peter replied, each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. God will live on the inside of you. Verse 40, 41, 
Those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day. About 3,000 in all. And this right here, guys, is the official start of the church. This was it. This is when the church began. But look what happens in the very next verse. Acts chapter two, verse 42 says, all the believers devoted themselves, we'll get back to that in just a moment, to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals. The NIV actually says the breaking of bread, including the Lord's Supper and to prayer. Let me say it this way. They devoted themselves to circles. They heard the message in rows. Their lives were changed in the rows, but then they grew and they devoted themselves in circles. Verse 43 says, a deep sense of awe came over them all and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders and all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared their money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's supper and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of the people. And here was the result of living life this way. The combination of rows and circles each day, every single day, the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Karen Armstrong an author, she said that the early Christian church thrived not just through its theology and teachings, but through the strong sense of community that bound its members together. It was this sense of belonging and support that sustained and propelled the movement forward. Sociologist Rodney Stark says that the early Christian church was characterized by a profound sense of interconnectedness among its members. They saw themselves as part of a larger body, each member contributing to the well-being of the whole. The, this communal ethos not only fostered spiritual growth, but also created a powerful force for social transformation. And then theologian N.T. Wright said that the Christian church in its early days was not merely a collection of individuals with shared beliefs. It was a vibrant community that embodied the teachings of Jesus Christ. They lived out their faith through acts of love, support and service to one another, creating a powerful testimony that drew others to join their ranks. This is what happened in Acts chapter two, the start of the church. Now, I do think it's very important that, that, we, that we guard ourselves from, and that we're careful not to overly romanticize the early church. I've been in ministry for a very long time and I've heard people say, like, we just need to go back to the early church, like somehow saying that it was perfect. But if, I think it's so important for us to, to know that Acts chapter two, what we read here is really the honeymoon phase of the church, like everything was brand new. And just like today, they had issues, right? Anybody here got some issues? Why don't you wave at me if you got some issues, hi. You're not waving, that is your issue, okay, that's it. <laughs> like, we've got issues, and they had issues. Why? Because they were people. And, like, it, it wasn't perfect. They, they had issues just like we had issues. That was something that was, it, it wasn't always easy. It wasn't always clean. It wasn't always perfect. In fact, just keep reading 
the book of Acts. Because that same group of people that experience what we just read, they go on to deal with things like racism, economic inequality, power dynamics within the church, persecution, leadership splits, false teaching, debates over theology, disagreements on secondary issues, and confusion on what to do and what to say about certain cultural situations. Aren't you so glad that we don't experience any of those things anymore? That's what they experienced, just like we experienced. So, so make no mistake about it. The early church was beautiful. And it's a great example for us to learn from. That's what we're doing today. But make no mistake about it, it wasn't perfect. But today, I do want us to see together as a church, I want us to see that circles have actually played a huge role in the church from the very beginning. And I'm excited because there's a whiteboard. Uh, I, I love the whiteboard. I'm actually gonna move this because people said that they couldn't see it over there. And so I'll move it back in just a minute. But I, every, I want us to see that everything started with circles. Like circles are such a big deal because let me explain it this way. Everything starts with a big circle. Pretty good, huh? It's not an egg. I was like, please don't be an egg. Okay. Um, and so everything starts with one big circle. And here's what we have to understand today. This is the church. I call it the capital C church. It's not a church, it's the church. This is the family of God. It's one big circle. And this is what happened in Acts chapter two. And at the very center of this circle is the message of Jesus, which has to be in red. This is the message of Jesus. This is, let me explain it this way, if you've ever heard, this is the good news of the gospel. This is the message of the cross. And by the way, it's always good news. It's never bad news. This is the good news. And over the last 2000 plus years, this has been the central message of the church. The fact that God loved the world, that he loved you and he loved me so much that he gave his one and only son to die on a cross to pay for our sins and to offer us eternal life one day and abundant life right now to listen, listen, anybody with a pulse who is willing to receive that, that that is what this message is. Now, here's what we gotta understand is that every single one of us me included, you included, we started on the outside of this circle. Some of you, you may right now be on the outside of the circle. And that there is actually a barrier to entrance here. A lot of people don't like that. But the truth is there is a barrier into entrance and here it is, belief. That, that, that the way you started out here, but we come into the circle one way, not by going to church, not by doing all the right things, not by reading your Bible every day, but by believing in Jesus. That's how we come into it by believing. Now the theological word for that is salvation. And that happens in a moment, in an instant. That's where you put all your faith and your trust in him, that Jesus is who he said he is that you give him your life and in return you receive the free gift of grace. And that happens through belief. And until you believe, you're on the outside of this circle. 
But once you are in this circle, what we have to understand is that all of us have the same goal once we get into this circle. And the goal once we get into the circle is just to try to get as close as we can to Jesus, to be able to follow him with every single area of our life, that the whole goal, once you're in the circle, is just to as much as possible get closer and closer to Jesus, to become more and more like him. The theological word for that is this word called sanctification. It's just a big churchy word that means that you're going to look more and more like Jesus that you're pursuing to look more and more like Jesus in every single area and detail of your life. And the truth is like, that's a process. Salvation is a moment, but sanctification is a process that will take the rest of your life and that you will not ever achieve. But let me tell you why it's still worth it because it's the best life that you and I could possibly live is pursuing after Jesus, becoming more and more and more like him. This is what it means to be a follower of Jesus. This is what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. But here's what we gotta get. God has a plan for how he wants that to happen. And this is so important. You have to understand that you are not in this circle alone. That right now, that there are hundreds and thousands and millions, and over the course of time, billions of people that have been able to be in this circle, that are in the church, that have crossed the line through belief, that is in the family of God, that you are in here, that not by yourself, but that God has designed it in such a way so that you would be in here with a whole bunch of other people. Does it look like a chocolate chip cookie to anybody? Just that? Anybody hungry? Okay. I'll try to hurry. We got lunch to get to that this is what God's plan has been all along, is that you're not in here by yourself. There are millions of other, this makes up the church. This makes up the family of God. And since Acts chapter two, what we read from that day until today, here's what we'll discover, is that within this one big circle of the church, all of a sudden, you'll start to see, as more and more people made that decision, you'll start seeing other circles start to form within the bigger circle. And you start to see, and these are local churches. And so you'll see that local churches started to form in cities, in suburbs, in big cities and small cities. You'll see that, 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 that all these different expressions of the bride of Christ, all these different people started forming in different circles and circles started to happen, all different sizes, all different expressions. And by the way, let me make this perfectly clear. You need to know at our church that we love, honor, and celebrate every single church that lifts up the name of Jesus, that we are not in competition with other churches, that we are on the same team, that we're wearing the same jersey, this, the jersey on the front's the same. The name and number is on the different. We take the posture of honor and we celebrate and we, and we pray blessings over every single church. So if you're new here, you need to know that we have an enemy and it's not other churches. Amen? Okay. So you need to know. You need to know that. that that's our approach. But imagine with me that this guy right here, that this is Queen City Church. This is our expression of church. This is what we get to experience right now. 
And this little baby church is only five years old. And you need to know that, that what this church does is we gather in rows on Sundays at Withrow High School. And you wanna know what the, what the whole goal is? The whole goal is to get closer and closer to Jesus. So the cool thing is, is that individuals, what we're trying to do is get closer to Jesus, but then God says, no, I want you to be in a local church, planted in a local church, and then together as a group, exponentially more, you can even get closer and closer and closer to Jesus. You can see this all throughout the Bible. But then when we read Acts 2 and we dig in a little bit deeper, here's the cool thing. And it still happens today. You see this example where boom, all of a sudden in one day, 3,000 people, the church was formed and then do that. So let's all go to one house and sit around in a circle and do that. No, how did that happen? Well, what you'll see is that inside the big circle, inside the smaller circles in the big circles are a bunch of smaller circles. And this right here is what we have been calling biblical community. That is a picture of what is happening here in Acts chapter two. This is a picture of a biblical community, a group of people that I'm following Jesus with, where as a smaller group of people, the same goal exists as this and as an individual, and that we're just trying to get as close as possible to Jesus, becoming more and more like him. And this goes all the way back to Acts chapter two, what we read, and that is still true today. And let me tell you what my dream is for you, what I've been praying for a very long time, is that each and every one of us, is that we would experience all three of these circles. That every single one of us, and maybe today you need to make this decision. You need to make the decision to go to believing, and then you can be in the family of God. That, man, I've been praying that you would, I actually pray that all 2.1 million people in the greater Cincinnati area experience that, but not just that, but that then that you would be planted in a local church. And then within that, you will make a decision to get committed to biblical community, all with the same goal, all three of the goals, to get closer and closer to Jesus. And what I want you to know is that right now, our church is more committed to this than ever before. In fact, we've been trying to tell you, uh, we, we rolled this out in September, but we are now two weeks away from the launch of what we're calling Life Groups, which is our brand new year-round groups model. And we've been working so hard behind the scenes. We've been training leaders. We've been trying to do everything we can to make sure that we do this. But more than like details, I want you to know that our goal is just to create circles. Our goal is to create circles based on either location, like where you live in the city or stage of life where you can experience what we've been talking about, where you can experience biblical community, where you can experience a group of people that I'm intentionally following Jesus with. And these life groups, they're gonna meet in homes every week on either Wednesday or Thursday nights, except for the first week of the month and throughout different, um, a couple strategic months of the year, we'll take off. It's when our calendars are all crazy. Um, and we have built, here's the important thing. You need to know that we built what we're gonna do in these life groups around one of the verses that we read in Acts chapter two. Acts 2, 42, it says this, all the believers devoted themselves to four things, 
to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals and to prayer. And if you wanna know what our life groups gonna look like, that's what they're gonna look like. It's gonna be those four things. It's life groups are gonna be centered around those four things. It's gonna be centered around fellowship. And that's a really like Christianese word that like we hardly ever use in 2024. It's like, what are you gonna do? I'm gonna go fellowship, you know? But it's really, it's like community. You're gonna be with people. Like you're gonna consistently and intentionally connect with other people. Somebody's gonna look you in the eyes and ask you, how are you doing? And then hopefully they'll ask, but really, how are you really doing? We're gonna center it around fellowship and connection and community and relationship, but also, and I need you to say amen right here, we're gonna center it around food. Come on, we're gonna have food. We're gonna, we're gonna commit to sharing in meals together. And let me tell you why we're doing this. It's very intentional because something special happens at the table. Something transformational happens at the table that when somebody makes room at the table for somebody else, I'm telling you something happens whenever all throughout the Bible, you see people growing around the table. So we're gonna center it around the table. And then third, we're gonna have a group discussion that's led by a group leader about either what our church is talking about on Sundays. So take the, the apostles teaching that's happening at our church that were happening in rows. And then we're gonna break it down in circles and go a little bit deeper and process it and see what God is saying to our church. Or we're gonna do that or a specific curriculum that we wanna take our entire church through together. We have ability to be able to do that through these life groups. And then fourth and finally is that every time you can expect prayer where every single week we're gonna actually get together in even smaller groups where you'll be able to look somebody in the eye and share prayer requests and then have somebody pray for you. And I'm just telling you that over and over, week after week, month after month, year after year, that combination of both rows and circles where you make the row routine and you're committed to the circle, that, that will change your life. That will help you grow closer to Jesus. That will help you be more of a disciple of Jesus and that will help you get closer and closer and closer to Jesus. And by the way, let me just make this clear. That's the only reason why we're doing this. That is the only reason why for over a year we sat in meetings and we prayed and we begged God for vision and we whiteboarded and brainstormed and trained up a bunch of leaders and took time to be able to do that the way that we knew it needed to deserve to be able to do it, to do it well that the only reason why we did it is not just so our church could strategically grow and to be able to do other things. No, we wanna do that just simply to help you. So whether you're a young adult, whether in, you're in your 30s, your 40s, your 50s, your 60s, your 70s, your 80s, I'm telling you, God wants you to grow. And we have been doing everything we can to set up the soil so that you can say yes to be able to do what only God can do and to help you grow. But here's what I'm asking each and every one of you to do today. I'm asking you to do what they did in Acts chapter two, verse 42. Let's look at it again, because I want you to see one detail, because it says this. It says, all the believers, they devoted themselves to those four things. And that's what I'm asking you to do today. I'm asking you to devote yourselves. And in the original Greek, if you, if you study the original language that this was written in, really the best way to, to say that, to translate this, is instead of just that they devoted themselves, because it sounds like a one-time thing, 
Really, the best way looking at the original language is this, they continually devoted themselves. That it wasn't a one-time decision, but over and over again, they continually devoted themselves to those four things. That they continually devoted themselves to biblical community, to intentionally following Jesus with a group of people. They consistently, over and over again, week after week, devoted themselves to both rows and circles. So today, I'm asking you, to devote yourself to the same thing in the same way. And here's what I want you to get. I can't do that for you as much as I want to. I'm telling you, if I could and I could control it and I could say, well, I devote you in Jesus' name towards that. I wish I could, but I can't. I can't. Nobody can devote you but you. Nobody. There's nobody that you're sitting beside that can go to that level of devotion, that can make you do that. Like your spouse can't make you do that. Your friends can't make you do that. Your parents can't make you do that. The only person that can devote yourself that way is you. And I'm asking you to not just devote yourself one time. I'm asking you to continually devote yourself, to go all in with the vision and the direction that God has given our church and to stay all in. I'm asking you to refuse to live life alone. I'm asking you to commit to biblical community and stay committed, to be consistent, to not give up, to not quit, to not bail after a few weeks. I'm asking you to push through the initial awkward, which will be there, of something new. I'm asking you to not bounce around from group to group. I'm asking you to allow people to be human, and not be perfect. I'm asking you to not have unrealistic expectations of people. I'm asking you to not give up when someone starts to annoy you. To not give up when Carl starts smacking his food every week. When Tabitha just doesn't help clean up for the third week in a row and you noticed it. When Matilda lacks self-confidence and self-awareness and dominates the group conversation. I'm asking you not to, not, to, not to give up. By the way, I tried to use names and I don't know anybody in our church. And so if you're here for the first time and your name's Matilda, I'm so sorry. <laughs> no subtweets, I promise. I'm asking you church to extend grace when somebody inevitably lets you down, hurts you or offends you. Theologian Henry Nowen, he says this, this is so profound. He says, the first command of community is to forgive each other for not being God. That the very first thing that we gotta settle on in our soul is that the people that we're doing this with are messy and imperfect, and they're not gonna get it all the, not gonna get it right all the time. Your group leader's not gonna get it right all the time. And we have to settle in our soul. And we're gonna have to extend grace that, and forgiveness to people for not being God. So today, I'm asking you to do that proactively before we even get there, to forgive each other in advance for not being God and to continually devote yourself to biblical community. Why? Because you need it. You need it. And when you have it, you will grow closer 
and closer to Jesus. But I want to end this way. Actually, yesterday, the first round, and I always turn in my first round of notes on Thursday, and I didn't have this in. This would be the time to bow your head, close your eyes, let's respond. But on Saturday, yesterday, I always put finishing touches on the message and I felt like God really pushed me and spoke to me about how to end this message. And I want you to listen to me because I'm not just asking you to devote yourself to this for you. I'm also asking you to devote yourself to this for other people. For the past four weeks, I've tried my very best to tell you how this would benefit your life. And I felt such deep conviction from God yesterday to say, all you've done is tell them how it's gonna benefit their life. And are you feeding a consumer mentality even about this? So let me tell you all the ways that it'll make your life better, which it will. But that's the only thing that I tell you. That's the only way that I challenge you is that it's, it's really about you. But I, I don't know about you, but when I read this, one of the central messages is that I die to myself, that this isn't about me anymore. And so I felt such deep conviction to yes, challenge you for you because it will make your life better, but not just to do it for you. I'm also challenging you to devote yourself to this for other people, for the people that are in this room right now, for the people that are in our church, for the people that are gonna be coming to our church. We just got out of 21 days of prayer and fasting as a church and, and we, out, we gather every, every morning during that time and pray together. And we always have all our prayer requests at there. And we grab a handful, everybody there, and we pray over those. And in the second week of 21 days of prayer and fasting, of us gathering and praying together, it was on a Wednesday, I grabbed this card. And here's what it says. It says, with a very heavy heart, I request prayer for strength. Alone is all I feel everywhere. I request strength to find community. And in vulnerability, this person wrote, I'm so tired of being alone. I have no more strength. And since that second week, when I picked this card up, I've carried it everywhere I've gone. I've took it, I've had this with me every single day since then. I've had it with me when I've sat down on my computer my Bible and commentaries as I've written and prepared these messages. I've had this with me. In fact, I've dedicated every single message in this series to the person who had the courage to write this down. And if that's you, I want you to know that I've prayed for you every single day and that I believe that God's gonna answer your prayer. I really do. But I would bet that this person isn't the only person in this room who has ever felt that way. I bet that this person isn't the only person in the room that maybe feels that way right now. But here's what I want you to see, church, is that your yes to being devoted to this, to devote yourself over and over again to this, could be
be the answer to this person's prayer. That God could use your yes to help this person and other people experience biblical community. I want you to understand that devoting yourself to this affects so much more than just you. So I'm not asking you to just do it just for you and all the ways that it will benefit you and make your life better. I'm also asking that you do this for the people in this room and all the ways that it will benefit them and make their life better, including this person right here. Because guys, I've been trying to tell you, life is truly better together in both rows and circles. When we do, we become more and more like Jesus. If there's anything in your life that we can pray for, please visit queencitypeople.com slash prayer. For the latest updates on our church, follow us on social media at queencitypeople or visit queencitypeople.com.